banded together by a mutual yearning for the more simplistic times and random fun of the comic books of yesteryear. Alec Berry and Scott Gardner now travel back. Back to the bins! What's up, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins number 13. My name is Alec Berry. And I'm Scott Gardner. And we are bringing you the random fun of the past again this week with the comic books of yesteryear. I almost screwed that up. But (laughs) it's Scott's turn to talk, and I'm going to let him talk and talk and do his thing. All right. Go for it. Lucky 13, or maybe unlucky 13. We'll just have to see how this Yeah, we may crash and burn this episode, folks. There you go. (laughs) The episode where they fall on their faces. The episode where Scott gets killed off. Eric Peterson's listening right now, and he's like, he's he's rubbing his hands together, and he's like, yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) All right, for this episode, we're just going to take a mild time jaunt back 10 years to November of 1999. This is Image Comics, your uh, your stomping ground here. We are looking at Chassis, Volume 3, Number 1. And uh, I don't know who did the covers on these. I can't read. I'm going to point out that I have actually two copies of this book. I don't know how I got them. Don't remember where I got them, what I paid for them, or whatever. They probably were part of a collection I bought, but it's two covers. Um, you know, one one of them I guess is, must be a variant, but you know, I don't know which one's the original and which one's not. But they're both really nice. I mean, one is just a, a beautiful, you know, shot of just this beautiful woman. This this chassis is the main character in this, standing with a trophy, and then another one is like this purple cover of like a diagram of her race car thing and then like a nice shot of her butt basically um i think this other one might be matt bush but i'm not exactly sure anyway um story in this is written by joshua dm dysart with art by william o'neill inked by larry welch Original cover price on these a whopping two ninety five, and uh, I'm just gonna come right out of the shoot and say I think it's two ninety five too much. Ooh. I was not impressed with these uh, with this Ooh. book at all. I, I, I I'm sorry. I just I, I I can't bring the love for this particular. You know, you know I support the image stuff, and I'm not one of these people to to knock image just for the sake of knocking image but wow is this book it's not that it wasn't good it's just it's like it threw it tried to throw in everything and the kitchen sink in this first issue to to hook you and instead it just turns into like this big convoluted thing where you walk away from it going what the hell was that all about um there's a, a like a, a slight i don't know if it's meant to be a recap or if it's just to, to put you in the world that you're in or whatever, but something has happened, and this is actually like an alternate history to where something happened right around the end of World War One that basically set the world on a different course. And 
technology is king, and it's it's almost gives the feel in this like the Gilded Age never quite ended. So this is the world of 1949, and like flying race cars is the big fad sport that everybody's into. And right off the bat, the the issue starts with a flashback, and it just says 15 years ago, but it doesn't give you a year. So right off the bat, you've got to do a math problem to figure out what the hell year this is supposed to be. And the character Chassis, her father's holding some big shindig at his mansion, and Amelia Earhart is there, and they strike up a conversation, and, and she asks, you know, well, where is Chassis? You know, how's she doing? And we get a flash forward to now, but now, of course, is the year 1949, and there's a uh, a race underway with these flying, like, hover car type of things. But it, it's kind of cool because it's like, you know, it, it's 40s-style cars, you know, that are, like, hover-converted, like Back to the Future or something, and, and they're racing on, like, a big, you know, like, indie track type of thing. The art's really nice. It's just the story is so... I don't know what they're going for here. But, uh, you know, Chassie's in this race, and she's all pissed off because evidently she got maneuvered into this race. She didn't really want to do it, but there's a, she has a line about, it's all because of that damn comic book. And then you <laughs> I, like, I like how her name's Chassie. Yeah. She's a car driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, she's got a pretty nice chassis, too, so I think maybe that's got something that yeah. it's supposed to be some sort of play on. I don't know. It's it's all very strange. And, you know, then we cut to a two-page thing that's, I guess, supposed to be an excerpt out of the comic that she's all pissed off about. Then we get what I guess is supposed to be another flashback back to this party of 15 years ago. But it doesn't say anything like that. It's just all done in, like, gray tones. Then the the next page is two weeks ago, and it tells the story of Chassie going to meet with the people that are putting out a comic book about her life story, and she's not happy about it. She doesn't like how the material is coming out and, and basically that it's telling you know stories about her that she doesn't approve of and everything, so she's trying to pull out of the deal. And the guy who's the, the head of this comics company – you know, begs her to just give him a chance. You know, he wants her to meet the. Uh... Oh my God! Every episode. All right, keep going. He wants her to meet with the uh, with the artist on this series. This was the sole part of this book that I thought was actually pretty cool. It turns out now. Keep in mind, this is an alternate timeline where apparently World War Two never happened. So the artist on her comic book is Adolf Hitler. I got kind of a kick out of that. I thought that was kind of a, an original idea. It, it's kind of interesting. But it, it's only kind of cool for like two panels. And then there's a whole thing where he's talking about, you know, his use of dramatic license. And, you know, he wants to express his values and all that. And it, and it kind of degenerates into, you know, you're, you're seeing Hitler as you know he basically was but he's being suppressed because in this reality he's a comic book writer rather than you know a you know whatever hitler was so it it just it's so 
I don't know what they were going for in this. She storms out of the uh, the comic book place, and she's uh, confronted by a reporter who wants her reaction to the fact that her chief racing rival is going to have a comic published about his life story now. And she makes a, a, a snide comment without really thinking about the fact that she's talking to a reporter. She tries to retract what she said, but of course it winds up all over the print. And uh, so now she this is how she wound up kind of having to face this guy in the race that we saw at the beginning of the issue. From here, it just gets into all this stuff with this guy who we saw earlier was part of her pit crew. He's some sort of mage or ninja or something, and he's trying to teach her... I don't know, some sort of, like, calming technique. It's just the most bizarre stuff. It's just the the constant back and forth with flashbacks and everything really confuses the story, and it's hard to follow exactly what they're going for. And, and it's hard to follow the progression of the story, basically. It's not that the characters aren't interesting or the concept's not interesting. It's the way it's paced and the way that it's, it's carried out. But the issue... Um, has a cliffhanger where we go back to the beginning of the race that we saw, you know, that the issue started with, and it turns out that some sort of robot that's uh, been deployed to, I guess, sabotage her vehicle or whatever is actually clinging to the bottom of her hover car in this race. So, you know, that that's the cliffhanger. We're left wondering, you know, what is this robot going to do? You know, is he going to so, try to kill her or what's so, going on? So the cliffhanger is a flashback. Yeah, exactly. It's that doesn't. That's, yeah, where's the suspense in that? <laughs> it, it's very strange. I mean, the art was not bad, and uh, you know the characterization was was decent and all that. You know, uh, there was a little bit of intrigue to it, but ultimately, the way the story is paced with the constant flashbacks, flash forwards. Many of them, most of them, not labeled in any sort of way. You know, there's no linear sequence to the book at all. It's just, it's constantly all over the place. It makes it very hard to understand what's going on, who these characters are, how they all relate to each other, and exactly what their deal is. So as a first issue, it, it just utterly failed because I, was not invested enough in any of these people or their circumstances to care in the least. I mean, even if somebody just handed me the next issue, I don't know that I'd be interested to read it. So that's kind of a shame because, you know, the concept was kind of cool and the art's not bad, but it's just the story was just, wow, you know, right, right over me. I mean, I could, I just could not tell what was supposed to be the point. There is a, a little, uh, right up in the back, a uh, thing called Under the Hood, written by um, the author of this issue. And I guess this was actually a title that came over from another company. So maybe, you know, if you had been following this at whatever company the title had been out prior, maybe, you know, you'd be able to follow it. But seeing as how this is the first image issue, you know, it's yeah. a it's a new number one, 
they needed something to bring you up to speed on, you know, what was going on, and, you know, so that you could jump on board. And, and it just completely fails in that aspect. The only uh, redeeming quality to this at all, in, in my opinion, is there's a uh, there's a nice um, full page. I guess it's intended to be an it's either an ad or a teaser image or something, but it's uh, for the alternate cover for the next issue for number two um, by Matt Bush. It's a really nice piece of art. Really like it. It's very nice, and uh, you know he's a, a semi-famous. Star Wars artist, so that's nice. And then there's a couple of uh, really nice, uh, like pinup illustrations at the back of the book. Neither one of them is signed, and they don't tell who the artists are. So that's frustrating to to see these beautiful images, but you have no idea who the artists are on, and that that kind of thing just really drives me crazy. So overall, chassis number one. Ah, a bit of a bit of a flop, I think. I didn't, I didn't care for it. Now, you're the image man. Are you familiar with this character or this title? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've never read it, so I cannot comment on it. Uh, you, you said it was vol. <coughs> Excuse me. You said it was volume three, so I mean, maybe that adds up to your, you know, the lack of understanding the characters. Uh, you know, and you mentioned that it came over to image. This was the first image issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never read it, but um, I can see your point of where it seems like it might be a great idea, but the, really the message wasn't conveyed too well throughout the like way it was told. Uh, you know, I, I've had that yeah, I've had that experience before reading something. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of alternate histories and that sort of thing. I, and you know, when I started this issue, and it, and it gave the little blurb thing at the beginning about you know basically how this was a, a continuation of the world as it had existed pre-World War One, or, or, you know, the World War One era moving forward without, you know, the world having, you know, gone to World War Two and all that. I was intrigued by that, you know. I thought that that was an interesting idea. I, I just, you know, they, they just kind of fail with carrying through on a great concept, you know, because the idea that, you know that the world had continued to progress and and go forward from you know say around 1913 or so you know going up to you know 1949 that's a, that's an interesting idea because that was a very innovative time in America in particular you know and and you know the idea that you know it, it, they give you a very like art deco world so it it they they had the potential to create something that could have looked a lot like how Batman the animated series looked. You know that whole Art Deco world and that whole like retro future technology and stuff like that. You know they really yeah. could have done very well with that. But other than the flying cars, it didn't really feel like an alternate world at all. You know it 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 just kind of failed in the concept. I thought which it, it was a shame. Could have could have been something really cool. What do you got? I got a, another book coming from the. I'm just going to call it the minor long box. I'll call it the minor long box. <laughs> but uh, this is the Mask Number One of Four, published by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, cover dated August of 1991. This is written by John Arcudi. Art by <laughs> your favorite artist Scott Doug Monkey. Oh, God. 
<laughs> you did that on purpose. Yep. <laughs> all right. First of all, let me say this is an awesome cover on this issue. Like a really freaking awesome cover. Uh, it's just the mask holding a gun and he's aiming at you and he's just pulling his face off and he's ripping it off his blood gushing. It's awesome. Um, no, that's just the first intent. Uh, story on this, pretty good. Uh, I'll break it down. Uh, we start off with a woman known as Kathy, and she's coming to the police station, and she's, like, talking to her purse. For some reason, she's acting crazy. People are looking at her. Uh, she's asking for a Lieutenant Kellaway. Uh, she ends up going up to his office. And when she gets there, uh, a criminal known as... Eugene Rapaz is kind of being, you know, walking out, but uh, Lieutenant uh, Kellaway is kind of, uh, he's conflicted to just let him go this easily. He's been after this criminal for so long, and uh, it just seems like he's walking, you know, justice really isn't being served. So he's kind of in a, uh, you know, not really a happy mood when Kathy shows up. But, you know, she gets her turn to speak, and uh, he hand, she hands over her purse and says, you know, hey, this, in here is the answers to, uh, you know, uh, the crazy guy that was running around town last month. Uh, you know, this is these this, this is your answers in this bag. And uh, he opens it up and he just finds this mask. And he's like, well, you know, this really doesn't answer my question. It's, uh, it's, this really doesn't give me any answers. This is more of just another question. And uh, he's kind of looking at it and she's telling him, you know, no, this is your answer. This is your answer. And then he goes to put it on and she freaks out. She's you know, says, no, never put it on. Never want to put this thing on your face. And, you know, he kind of, he, he kind of thinks she, she's just crazy, but to kind of just, you know, help her out and kind of get her out of his office, he agrees and, you know, says, all right, all right, I'll never put it on, it's safe with me, whatever. Uh, he goes home later that night and kind of, you know, not really thinking much of the girl and her warning, he does put on the mask and uh, becomes the mask. And uh, I just got to say, Doug Monkey draws an awesome mask. Uh, he just, he looks sick. Uh, just the... The big teeth, the eyeballs, the, the facial expressions, I just think it's great. Uh, and also, another thing, too, is the lettering and the way the word balloons are laid. They're kind of like they overlap the panel gutters. Uh, it's just, they make for really, really cool-looking pages when the mask is on the page. And uh, it, it may also really pretty funny but creepy at the same time. And, uh, you know, when he first becomes the mask, he's kind of like, oh, well, this is neat, you know, uh, what can I do now? And he starts just, like, hitting himself in the head with a hammer and, like, catching him on fire. And he just, like, freaking shoots himself in the hand. And, like, you know, he finds out it really can't be hurt. And, you know, he just kind of laughs about it. Uh, from there, we go to this dinner scene where uh, Eugene Rapaz is there with his lawyer. And they're kind of, uh, there's another man known as uh, Stephen Lister shows up for dinner. And, uh, you know, Rapaz wants to get away from Lieutenant Kellaway and wants to get out of the trouble. So, uh... You know, they're bringing in Lister as kind of their secret weapon, and uh, they're paying him off because he is the district, the DA's assistant, the district attorney's assistant, and, uh, you know, they want his help. So you got that little background building. Uh, on the street, there's a couple of thugs just robbing a convenience store and taking off. And when they get to their getaway car, uh, you know, they open up the door, and there's the mask, and he jumps out. <laughs> and, they're, you know, they're just trying to get away, and he's just kind of like... You know, putting up some conversation and all this and kind of being funny. And then the next thing you know, he opens up the car, the hood of the car, and just throws one of the guys in and slams it <laughs> on his head. Uh, 
Then, you know, the other two thugs, they have guns, so they start unloading the, their bullets on the mask, but it doesn't kill them, and they're just freaked out by this, and they just take off and run. But this, you know, and the mask takes off after them. Uh, they, they get to this alleyway, and they think they've lost them. They look around the corner at their car, and uh, there's the police there. You know, they're, they're, they're freaked out. They don't know what to do, like how they're going to get away. <laughs> and then they, then they uh, turn around, and there's the mask wearing this sort of, like, circus ringmaster suit. And, uh, you know, he's doing, like, a thing where he's making animal balloons. And, like, these guys are just looking at him like, what the hell is this guy about? <laughs> and, you know, he's just making all these different shapes of balloons. And all of a sudden, he makes a Tommy gun. And it's just this great panel where he's got one eye, and he's kind of winking, and he's just holding this machine gun. And it's really just creepy as hell. And the next thing, he just opens fire and takes down these guys. Um, we go back to, uh, you know, the next morning where... Uh, Kellaway's in the office acting like nothing really happened the night before. Doesn't really uh, seem to like remember it. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he's just not making a big deal out of it. Uh, the girl calls Kathy again to make sure, you know, hey, you didn't put on the mask, did you? And, you know, he, he reassures her that, no, he didn't. Uh, everything's all right. And he kind of just laughs her off. And then we get um, uh, Kellaway's brought into his boss's office where Lister, uh, the DA assistant, uh, is there from earlier. And he's basically telling him that the evidence against Rapaz is faulty. Uh, it's not, it's insu- insufficient, and it won't really work to put him away. And uh, Kellaway kind of loses it, because again, this was his case, and he wants to put this guy away. And uh, that's where we're kind of left off with the issue. Uh, again, I like the artwork a lot. I just, I love the energy Monkey kind of brings to the character to the mask. And the story's, I think the story's pretty interesting. Uh, I've never really been uh, a fan of the mask. I, I've seen the movie. I didn't really think too much of it. You know, it, I thought it was okay, but this I thought was really cool, and it was a little darker. And uh, I just thought it was a lot of fun. I look forward to reading the rest of this. Where does this fall in mask history? Is is this uh, pre movie or post movie or? I I don't know. It's ninety one. So when did the movie come out? I I mean I I, I would sure. think this is probably pre movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I I remember the movie vaguely. I don't even know that I actually sat and watched it start to finish. I just remember when it came out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't really have any history with that character either. The the single mask comic that I've got is uh, the Toys R Us special edition that was like a freebie a few years ago. It was just called Adventures of the Mask. I know I read it and I can't remember a thing about it. So. I thought it was cool because I like the sort of, you know, crime crime comics to begin with. And it is, you know, on its base level, it is a crime comic. But it's got some, you know, awkward humor thrown in with a crazy character. And I, 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 I like the whole idea. And, like, I definitely would like to read more of, like, the old school Dark Horse Mask comics. I know they have, like, an omnibus out, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I didn't, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great introduction to the whole, like, uh, universe of the mask. I, I liked it. You got any comments on the monkey artwork? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of, you know, Dark Horse and collected editions and all that, um, I, I know I've gotten kind of a reputation for hating on Doug Monkey. I, I don't hate the guy, you know. As a matter of fact, he was the, the original artist on one of my favorite Dark Horse books. Um, well, just one of my favorite comics, really. It was a book just simply called X. And it was this uh, guy, he was kind of Batman-esque, you know, he, he wore this, like, 
almost like Mexican wrestler looking superhero outfit. And it was, it's tough to classify what he was. He, he was like a, when, when it first starts out, you get the impression he's kind of a Batman style vigilante, but he's a lot darker and a lot more violent than Batman. But as it, as the series progresses, you know, he's actually more of like a, like a meta human type of thing. But anyway, Monkey did, uh, the early issues of that. I can't remember if he did the character's first appearances in Dark Horse Presents or not, but I know he did the first few issues of the of the series that X eventually got. But anyway, that X series is great, and I know it was just recently collected. Um, I, I'd encourage you to check that out. I think you'd really like that. That was a good book. But uh, I like Monkey's art. Actually, the the only the the thing that put me off Monkey was his run that he did on. Superman. I, I just, I didn't care for it. He, he bought, brought this just, it was just a bizarre looking Superman. He, he looked like weathered or something. He just, he, it was just a very odd look for Superman. I like Superman to be very, you know, very clean and very heroic looking and, you know, just, you know, it, it's got to have a certain look to it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Superman's supposed to be this this pure iconic character and Monkey it's like he wanted to dirty him up or something. It, it just it was just a strange look for for Superman in his universe. I just didn't care for what he did on it, but you know, I've seen uh you know the work he's doing now on like Green Lantern and I, I like it. I think it's some good looking stuff. So I'm not a monkey hater. <laughs> Take that American <laughs> I think I think you would like it in this book because you know you mentioned the grittiness and you brought the Superman. Well, it works in the mask, you know. It right, is, and it works very well. Like I said, well. it's, it's a crime book at its base. So. Yeah, and it worked very well on X. So yeah, I think I think he's very well su- suited to grit. You know, to to gritty either gritty genres or gritty, um, you know books or, or situations or what but you know gritty's not what i want to see when i look at superman so that you know that's where you know he, he didn't work for me you know but that was just that that was just that one time just that one thing it kicks ass on the mask i'm telling you <laughs> awesome seriously awesome that wraps up another episode of Back to the Bins. If you have any feedback, please email the show at backtothebins at gmail.com. All content featured in this episode is the sole property of Back to the Bins. No rebroadcasting or retransmission of this content is permitted without the written consent of myself or Scott. Back to the Bins is an Alec Berry, Scott Gardner production, copyright 2009.